This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED Healthcare Warriors. Nurse Tammy is someone I've had my eye on for a while. In addition to being our first hospice nurse on the pod, Tammy is one of the loudest voices on social media fighting for change, personal protective equipment, and safe working conditions for all healthcare personnel. She's fearless and not afraid to call out what's wrong within healthcare. Get ready, babes. All right, this week's Nurse D Energy Moment is a homage to the NICU. Paige wrote in to share, I'm a NICU nurse. A couple weeks ago, I got floated to the PICU. I had a baby whose family was in the hospital because of an awful apartment fire. Once the baby was stable, I found an isolate and took her to see mom in the ICU. Mama was very badly injured. They had never been separated since the baby's birth. Last week, one of my coworkers came up to me and said, You're an amazing nurse. It has gotten around all of pediatrics what you did for the mom and baby, and you're amazing. In a time when I am always anxious, it is those little moments and comments from my team that make it all worth it and make me love my job again. Paige's Nurse D Energy moment is really special. We never know how our words will affect people. So let's continue to acknowledge the good when we see it and lift each other up, especially during this crisis. Check in with your coworkers. Tell them you're proud to stand with them. All right, friends, welcome back to the WOMED. Today, I'm speaking with Nurse Tammy. Um, Tammy, thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Thank you for having me. I'm ecstatic to be on the WOMED for sure. Well, I hope it's a bright spot in your, how many days of fever are you on now? 26. 26 (laughs) days of waking up with a fever. I really hope (laughs) that this at least brightens your day a little bit. It does, especially since outside it's snowing again. So yeah. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I was, I was thinking about, um, going up to visit my parents in Northern Wisconsin and just hunker down there with them because they're up at the cabin and it, yeah. my dad's like it's it's so boring like there's nothing to I'm do sure there's he's like it just as- snowed there's nothing I was like well you're really selling like family time sitting here dad yeah <laughs> you're really selling it I don't know when oh, else God. I'm gonna have this much time off to come and see right no kidding no kidding but how has yeah. it been um with your family you've been You've been isolating yourself because you, yes. you're presumed positive at this point. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I've also had, so I, so I started with a fever in um, March, March 20th. Okay. And on the 23rd, I went and had rule out testing. So I had okay. um, the flu A, flu B, strep, and RSVs all come back negative. Okay. So they told me at that point that I was presumed positive. But Um, they wouldn't actually give you the COVID test. Okay. Right. They told me they were only supplying that to people who needed to be hospitalized. Okay. So um, after that, I went home on the 23rd and I isolated myself in the bedroom, had Eric, my husband, just clean everything in the house. um, Yeah. Kind of like after me. And Mm -hmm. then I hunkered down in here for three weeks. Um. it was really rough because I have a four and a six-year-old little boys um, yeah and they love their mama and want to want mama to feel better Um, so this has been a little frustrating 
but um, I'm lucky to have a very good support system. My husband has been amazing and he is kind of like my little butler and he brings me what I need. And, um, and then the last, I think I broke out of isolation um, three days ago mm-hmm. after getting my test results back. They did finally screen me for COVID um, after three times being denied. Um, I finally did get the nasopharynx um, swab mm-hmm. and um, it came back negative. On what? <laughs> yeah. And That's so unreal. it is unreal. And I think what was even worse is that when the office called, they said, um, your test results are negative. Have a great day. And I was, and like, <laughs> all and I could it. think was like, I still have a fever. Like, I, I don't know what you want me to do. So I was really frustrated and I kind of was flabbergasted on the phone and didn't have it, didn't know what to say. Yeah. So I called back the other day. I called back the other day and was like, listen, I still have a fever mm-hmm. and this is, this is ridiculous. Like, what am I supposed? supposed to do I've been off work now for almost a month I gotta show at least that I'm trying to get better or trying to get seen and Mm -hmm. they actually denied me UA and CBC um, saying because I'm still febrile I need to stay in strict quarantine so um, I can't check myself to see if there's anything else going on um, which is really frustrating they did call me in after I called back saying, you know, this is frustrating. <laughs> yeah. They they sent me a prescription for another Z pack, which I already was on Z pack mm-hmm. on the twentieth of March. So that's well, there's been where so I'm many there's been so many false positive results. Yeah, too. false negatives. Or, false yeah, negatives false negatives. False. Yeah. Yeah. It's like twenty to thirty percent chance that your result is gonna be a false negative. So, oh my God. yeah, it's, it's kind of a shit show. I'm sorry. To, no, you, you can swear in here. That's like, fine. Okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> it is though. It, it's, it's horrible. And then, you know, you see all these, like, it shows the positive cases, like, you know, in the state or the United States, they are, mm-hmm. these numbers are so inaccurate. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. That's, that that's, doesn't capture anything about what's going on in our nation right now. No, because most people can't even get tested or right. are too scared to go and get tested. Um, and we're just, we're not reporting accurately because all these tests right. that we're supposed to have, they're, they're not testing everybody. Right, right. It's ridiculous. I've had a couple yeah. friends that had to lie about their symptoms in order oh to get God. tested and they turned up positive. Yeah. Yeah. For having completely different symptoms. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. It's oh, well, but it's our world, like literally crumbling in front of us. That's <laughs> what it feels like. It really our, does. Our healthcare programs, our healthcare system is struggling so hard. I can't right now. It's hard. It really is. Um, So one of the other biggest issues 
that our healthcare teams and uh, workers and stuff are facing is the fact that we don't have any masks. And right. you were one of the first accounts that I saw that was really starting to like sound the alarm on this. Yeah. So I was having a hard time. I was given, so before I got ill, um, mm-hmm. I kind of took the lead on getting masks for my office okay. because so like rewind about a month and a half ago or so, like before everything started going crazy, um, we were told to get our PPE, um, like basically make little supply bags of PPE for each nurse and aide. Um, okay. And we were finding that our PPE was subpar. We had surgical masks, no N95. And when I brought it up to our corporate lady who was in the office that day, um, she gave me a very uneducated response. Um, well, it's co- only COVID-19 causes infection and there are tons of COVID patients. She was not, so like her, I just kind of looked at her like, uh-huh. And then I, <laughs> Nothing in that sentence makes sense. Right. And so then I left and I went on a rage, a rampage on finding, <laughs> finding masks for my team. Yeah. And when I was, I was on face on Instagram and I have lots and lots of nurses that I follow, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through their feeds and I don't know, I think I saw like five or six different nurses wearing a surgical mask saying they're following CDC precautions for their COVID positive patients. And I was like screaming internally, this is mm-hmm. not right. This is no. not right. And so that was kind of what killed me. A friend of mine sent me a post and was like, this is, they're going to die. Like all these people think they're being protected and they're not. Um, and that was the day that I was able to screenshot the CDC, CDC before they took down all the PPE, like, um, like they actually had like a visual of a person with the gown, the goggles, the mask, the gloves, and shoe mm-hmm. covers. Yeah. Um, and they took that off their site. <laughs> oh, this I did not know before yeah. they put up their revised yeah. guidelines because yeah. the yeah. government, <laughs> we, because we can't get any, any more masks. Right. Right. So I had actually had a screenshot and mm-hmm. of that. And so I was educating on the point that like Surgical mask does not protect you from the viral load, especially if it's airborne or suspected airborne. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of like doing these little uh, stories of like why a surgical mask doesn't work. And I was getting all these more like younger nurses. And I'm not saying this as anything, but maybe um, just they haven't realized how toxic a hospital system can be um, yeah. because I have had many years experience of that. And so I have a hard time when somebody tells me something, I know it's wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And it happens quite frequently in the hospital. So I was getting these younger nurses coming at me like, listen, I'm doing what they're telling me to do. And I said, listen, <laughs> they are not protecting you and you need no. to stand up for yourself. And so, yeah. it, and then, so, so as many every nurse that kept coming to me saying this is what's happening, it just made the fire in me even more out of control. Like I had to do something. And so I kept 
sounding the alarms and everybody's mm-hmm. like, you are an alarmist. You are an alarmist. You're making everybody scared. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm telling you all the truth. And now and we're looking be at it. scared. Yes, absolutely. You, everybody should have a little bit of fear in them right now mm-hmm. um, because we're fighting an invisible entity yes. and it really is a dangerous entity. It may not kill everybody it comes across, but it does kill a significant amount of those people that that it does come across. So it's, it's, so yeah, I, um, I couldn't, I couldn't watch younger nurses, um, get trampled on. And so that was kind of what started it. Um, and then I started realizing what the CDC was doing Mm -hmm. and backtracking on their, um, you know, their procedures for PPE. Yeah, protocols. So I started um, showing that off as well. Like, here's the proof right here. Mm -hmm. You had, you had protection based on science. And now you have protection based on supply. And that's just asinine. And it's this is why we have a huge percentage of healthcare providers becoming ill. Yeah, it's insane. And dying. Yes, and dying. That's the most infuriating part. Um, I know. Uh, She's in Scrubs posted, uh, I think it was a a tweet about um, a young nurse that had passed away from the virus and left a family. And Mm -hmm. um, I saw a comment on there and I I can't remember if it was from another nurse or something on there or not, but it, regardless of it, the woman commented, it was her own fault for taking off her mask. No one should be that stupid. What? Yeah. And it was like, literally this, this woman just died because she didn't have the actual. Right. She didn't have the right shit. Yeah. Like this is not her fault. This is not our fault. No, No. these are all martyrs that are dying right now. And nurses didn't sign up to be martyrs. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I can't stop. (laughs) I think people, I've had so many people like coming at me like, Tammy, you want to see some positives? I'm like, you want to see some positives? Go find somebody else's feed to go on. I, yeah. I have no, I have my, I'm hyper-focused, like back off. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's, that's totally warranted. And I've honestly, with yeah. social media, kind of found that I struggle to post some things that are like more lighthearted or along yeah. the lines of what I normally do, because it's like, that just, it's not authentic to who right. I am and what I'm feeling right now. Right now I'm angry right. that my fellow doctors and nurses and techs and um, respiratory therapists and, and everyone who's becoming exposed to this virus are sick in the hospital. Yeah. Or they're yeah. dying. Yeah. Or and I, self-isolation. Yeah, and unable to do what they're meant to do. Mm-hmm. It's it, yeah, it's disappointing. I like don't have any other word for that. And no. and I agree, it's very difficult to look and see and post the positives. And I've tried mm-hmm. <laughs> to turn every post that I have in some kind of advocating empowerment kind of point to it, so that. By the end of it, you feel like somebody's still standing up for you. Yeah, like there's still a little bit of hope. 
Yeah, I just don't want people to feel like they're alone. Yeah. So and I hard. think that's also really important, especially right yeah. now. I mean, for sure. we've we've all been quarantined for you know, I mean, oh, I've been self-quarantining for a long while. At least I feel like at least like, a month right now. I, d- I don't know. The number yeah. of times I've forgotten what day it is is alarming. Yes, um, agreed. But I will say, and um, I'm not going to say any names on this front, but I did have someone from the CDC actually reach out to me on Instagram. Really? Um, she later deleted it, but I saw it beforehand before she deleted it. And I had responded back to her. Um, it was after I had made the a post like calling out the yeah. CDC and the World Health Organization and, and stuff like yeah. that. And she was very angry at first. Um, she's like, it's, you know, and, and defensive and like, you don't know what we're actually facing here. Like it's a lot of doctors and, and nurses that are working here, but are also working at the hospitals and they're just trying to do the best with what they've been given. And, you know, the president hasn't allowed the CDC to be at, um, to speak at any press conferences. And so they're just, they, CDC also basically has a gag order. Right. And Sorry, yeah. that makes me so mad. Yeah, it makes me so mad. Ugh. And and I do I do want to say like I know. I know like people that are working at the CDC and everything are, they are they they're trying to do the best with what they've been given here too, yes. um, and it's just not fair. It just goes to show like why, or well more so it begs the question on why why the government isn't allowing them to speak. Right. Why they aren't allowed to maintain the the scientific regulations for these masks and and why this is all changing. Why is the government seizing a bunch of um, masks and protective equipment after right. different states have already bought them? Right. These are questions it's, to keep asking. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's dark times for sure we have hands grabbing in places it shouldn't be Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's just like it's just like what two weeks ago all trump was was spewing was about hydroxychloroquine Mm -hmm. and azithromycin and all i'm seeing now are studies being halted due to qt segments being elongated and causing you know, severe heart dysrhythmias that could cause mm-hmm. death. So yeah, go ahead with your uneducated ass and start pushing people to to kill themselves is basically what he's, <laughs> it just, well, he's I just, just not he's uneducated, yes. right? Not yes. educated on it and should not speak to it. Absolutely no, and not. he needs to be doing the background research on these studies. Like that right. first study was, only had like 20 participants in right. it and from what I read it was 20 it was like 16 um it or like four of them dropped out like there was only like 16 of them left and it didn't show conclusive results either way yeah and I've seen studies with um they were less severe patients so these are not mm-hmm. your critically ill on vents these are 
these are patients like myself, maybe mild and moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just poses even more of a question. Is your body capable of taking this drug that causes cardiac issues, dysrhythmias, mm-hmm. if you're already in a decline? You know, you're yeah. already, your your organs are already in a decline. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to throw a med that causes dysrhythmias in there. Like it just doesn't. No. And so many people are jumping on the bandwagon for that. And it's just like you, there needs to be a, well, I know, I know we have a hospital here, hospital system that was um, doing a research trial on it. And like, I'm Mm -hmm. all for research trials, but don't start screaming. This is the cure. This is the cure. Right. A bandaid that doesn't work for half the people or whatever, or isn't Mm -hmm. safe for a significant amount of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's all a bunch of hubbub. It is. There's there's a lot of dangerous things being said right yes. now. Said and done, and the mm-hmm. inaction is probably the most dangerous in my eyes. Yes. Let's talk about your home state. So Michigan has mm-hmm. had a lot of changes and has really been in the news. I feel like in the last couple of weeks. Um, yes. From the uh, protests that you had just told me about, from and I had read another article saying that nurses were asking for adequate personal protective equipment, and then they were fired on the spot. Yes. 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 So, was that near you? Was that like a hospital you were familiar with, or? Yeah. Um, one of I've had a few people tell me that. Um, I'm trying to think of the hospital systems. Ascension is one of the hospital systems. Um, Genesis is a hospital in Grand Blanc, um, which is closer to me. And they were having issues on their floor. Um, So the ER was being staffed or was being being provided the correct PPE, but the floor nurses were not. Um, And yeah, and they actually got a um, Teamster uh, action on that, the union, um, oh, wow. to push for proper PPE. So I think that that went through for them. Oh, um, good. but there have been multiple places that have, um, refused nurses to wear their own PPE. Um, they have fired nurses. Blows yeah. my mind. It makes me I know. so angry. <laughs> it makes me so angry too. I just don't understand where it comes from. Um, other than a place of control, yeah, uh, you just want to control me. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times, I think people just need to call the bluff, wear the damn mask, and see what they do. Yeah, um, we had one nurse that wore brought her own mask. Was told she can't have it. Um, so she and then she got fired for it. And then the next day, the hospital was calling and calling and calling trying to hire her back um (laughs) yeah like no you didn't think I was important enough yesterday what makes the difference today I still can't believe that and Um, then so another thing that's huge in Michigan so um we got hit really hard in the Detroit area Wayne County Mm -hmm. um I know of a nurse in particular who works at Sinai Grace Hospital 
Um, and that is the hospital that recently had the nurses sit in um, and demanding safer patient ratios. Um, wow. They came into the ER um, for their night shift. They had seven nurses. Um, there were approximately 110 patients. Um, majority, I think 60, some of those patients were on ventilators and they wanted the nurses to be, it was like, it would have been like 25 patients a piece. Um, Holy shit. And so they said, no, we need more staff. And they sat and they didn't punch in. And at 11 p.m., administrator walked in and said, either you punch in, you go out like you are, because you don't have any more staff or you leave. And so a few nurses stood up to leave and they made the rest of the nurses leave as well. Um, wow. And so all seven of those nurses left and the day shift um, ended up working 24 hours. And just hearing from the day shift, I befriended somebody from from the hospital after her post, mm -hmm. um, she shared the 24 hours as a, in the ER. Um, and they're not mad at the night nurses. Like they're, they are, they are upset with the administration. They're upset with the hospital system. They're upset with how things are happening at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And they said verbatim, like, I don't blame them for doing what they did. So I think that that's an important thing to think about too, because a lot of people Very. are like, how dare they leave those nurses there for 24 hours? Well, those brothers and sisters knew exactly why it had mm -hmm. to go down the way that it did. Yeah. That's and one it's thing. It's unfortunate. I've, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this has brought the nursing community together even more. Yes. Um. And I, that, I, that just feels really empowering to me, knowing Absolutely. that everyone is, is truly trying to stand up for each other. Yeah. But I think that's something that a lot of kind of what you were talking about before with the younger nurses being like, you're just, you know, sounding an alarm. It's not that bad. Like, I remember right. being a young nurse and being like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Then, you know a year or two in, you really start seeing the hospital politics and like yeah. how things work. Um, so I think it just, I think it'll just take a bit, you know? I think, so and, I think there's going to be a revolution. I, I agree. I think uh, Nurse Sonia is working on that as we speak. Yeah. Um, and myself and another nurse yeah. are also speaking with some people that might be able to help with legislation so that's amazing I have been trying to get representative Underwood on um so representative Underwood if you're listening please come on the podcast <laughs> please come on the podcast <laughs> oh yeah oh I do want to bring up one more thing about Michigan yes so yesterday so two days ago there was a protest okay um, and, and what the were they pro protesting the protest was supposedly um, due to the excessive quarantine stay-at-home orders that our governor Whitmer um, put out. And okay. I do have to admit our orders are a little more strict than others, but mm -hmm. I think um, they're strict and like they need to be strict. 
Yeah. You know, like we, we, we need strict rules. I wish and- ours, ours were stricter down here. There's a couple of my friends right. that like, y'all need to be getting some tickets because right. I'm so sick and tired of you jumping around from house to house to house to house. Yes. That is not how quarantine works. Right. Right. So anyways, they decided they have like a Facebook group for Michiganders against excessive quarantine or something. Oh boy. Well, it's a very, it's, it's, I've only taken certain peaks inside that group because there's mm-hmm. so much toxic propaganda in there that it's mm-hmm. not, um, I'm finding that the majority of people who, who are against excessive quarantine are Trump supporters and took okay. this protest, yes, um, to Lansing as a Trump-Pence rally. Um, there were more signs more Nazi symbols, more rifles and guns. Oh God. More angry white folk um, standing up there demanding that Whitmer be recalled, that um, they are being encroached on their second amendment rights. Um, none of them had masks on. None of the, there were thousands that left their vehicles and you know, were in contact with each other screaming. I mean, hello. How does this transfer? Oh my God. So, and they had children out there. They gridlocked the Sparrow Hospital, which uh, delayed many uh, medical professionals to actually get to their jobs during shift change. Oh my gosh. They delayed ambulances trying to get to the hospital. Took them 10 minutes to get into the bay. Like, oh my God. Yes. And it, and, you know, it, it, it was supposed to be a, everybody stay in your car and this is a peaceful protest and it turned very nasty, very quickly. Wow. And I'm very embarrassed to be living in the state right now. Honestly, I, I'm nervous. I'm, you know, it, it just shows how much ignorance is really out there mm-hmm. and how dangerous that ignorance can be because yeah these people are putting themselves directly in the line of danger and endangering mm-hmm. anybody that they are going to be in contact with from now yeah. and to the next two weeks. So I have a feeling that Michigan and this surge that we finally started plateauing mm-hmm. will again surge. We're going to surge again within the next yeah. week, week and a half. Um, I mean, there's just no questioning it. No, I mean, that's, that's how science works. Right. And unfortunately, we have a huge population who does not believe in science, um, which is just mind boggling to me. I, I was, it just feels like a huge, it's that me, that, that picture that's floating around online right now with the nurse, with her mask on, with freaking scissors stabbed into her back. And yeah. everybody's standing behind, clapping, clapping, clapping. That's exactly what it is. Those people are up there protesting and protesting and protesting for their, for their freedom until they have to go into the hospital and be cared for by a healthcare provider who begs mm-hmm. them to stay home. Yeah. Like the irony and, and the anger that comes along with that for me is just beyond. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It, it, it makes it's me a safe very place angry. to vent. Yeah, it just, it it seems just so unfair to everybody who's really 
they're working their asses off. I know nurses, the nurse at Sinai Grace that I talked to, mm-hmm. she doesn't, she hasn't seen one person come off the vent. Not one. And Ugh. they've been doing this for three weeks. And My yes, God. we are, that's a poor socioeconomic location. It's mm-hmm. down in Wayne County. That's where the surge is happening. That's where yeah. it's been exploding. But still, they have five refrigerator trucks for their dead bodies. They're literally laying them all over the hospital to find areas to put them because the morgue is full. This is how bad it is. And now we just, it's like they wanted to start a new surge. I just don't. It's such a, it's such a slap in the face. Uh, Yes. To everyone that has just been working so hard and not been able to take a break because Right. I mean, every, everyone's short staffed. Yeah. You know that, I mean, that's, uh, we, we always are as nurses. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for people to, to sit there and clap and be like, you guys are heroes. This is great, but you won't stay home and give us the tiniest (laughs) bit of relief. (laughs) The only thing that we need is for you to stay home so that we don't get any more patients so we can focus on taking care yeah. of the ones that we already have. Yes. Yes. Because our healthcare system is hyper-focused right now. Hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. This is why I can't get a UA or a CDC. Yeah. They're hyper-focused. And people and are still getting admitted to the hospital for other conditions. I know. Like it's, I know. it's not like all the cancer treatments stop and mm-hmm. life-saving like heart surgeries or heart attacks or bypass or like well, transplant things. Like the scary thing about cardiac disease is that there has been a decline and in patients coming in for stents and things like that. And what oh, I was really? reading, yes, but, but there's a reason for that. Where I was reading, um, Dr. Danielle, uh, starts with a last name with a B. I can't remember. She's been doing a lot of COVID stuff. Um, but she posted a link, uh, to a, a cardiac physician who was saying, you know, where are the patients? And their concern is that the patients are dying in their homes, that they're not going to be, they're not going in because they're scared Mm -hmm. of the risk of getting COVID at the hospital, or they're waiting too long and ignoring their symptoms. And so that's, that's what we're going to start seeing with these huge surges in our hospital COVID patients. The fear of, of contracting that disease is so Mm -hmm. high that people don't want to be seen. No. And there's a lot of people that are scared to go in, yeah. deliver their babies and stuff in the hospital yes. right now, which. Well, and even that, so there's, my friend told me a story cause she is pregnant. And mm-hmm. so she's been like, you know, hyper-focused on pregnancy and with the COVID stuff going on. Yeah. Her friend um, or a, an acquaintance pregnant, do any day, started mm-hmm. having contractions, um, went to the hospital um, they told her she wasn't far along enough. She continued having increasing contractions, started vomiting from the pain. Oh, they, no. she, they called, told her to stay home as long as she could. Finally, she decided the pain was too bad. So they got in the car to drive back and they had the baby in the car. Mm. So the hospital wouldn't take her in. Oh, like, my th- God. so this is how it's all screwed up. <laughs> Everything is screwed up. Luckily, that baby and mama are okay. Oh, thank God. I was really scared there for a minute. But but it's the idea that 
a place that's supposed to be safe. People are asking for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they can't get get it because of this. It, everything is such a mess. It's terrifying. It's. Uh, I just feel so very underprepared for something yes. like this. We are extremely underprepared. Like they talk about disaster response for flood, fire, tornadoes, stuff like that. But yep. a pandemic was never in right in my hospital orientation or no. my yearly training. No, and that doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. You know, now that you know, I've been a nurse for eight years, and that shit never made sense to me. Like Mm-mm. I went through so many different crisis c- scenarios, and they were all about like. Um, either a chemical or a massive fire or a massive, you know, like Mm -hmm. some kind of thing. It was never about a pandemic ever. And that is one of the greatest risks we have. Yeah. And, and we're seeing it now taking out a significant amount of our population, even though we're saying it's only one to 2%. I think that's crap. We but need that's to start still talking one to, about actual yeah. numbers because that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Huge. And that's still one to two percent of your maybe your best friend, maybe right. your aunt, maybe okay. your mom, maybe your kid, or your exactly. brother. I mean, like people think of these like, oh, well, it's only well, we're in really good shape if we only um lose a hundred thousand people. Yeah, those one hundred thousand people you want to pick. Yeah, (laughs) because right now it's hyper focused on areas that people can't seek treatment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a nightmare. It's like in the um we recently lost a woman in Flint lost her son and her husband the Mm. only two families she had in the in two days both from COVID and she wasn't allowed to have a funeral. You know, it's just absolutely devastating. You have this, you know, we finally start moving into this like positive death Mm -hmm. realm. And then we have to take it all away because we have to isolate. Yeah. And there's so much risk. That brings me um, to something that's really been sitting with me a lot lately as someone who, like I used to take a lot of pride, you know, in being able to support or create um, a more peaceful environment for the families that had to withdraw care on their children, you know, and I've, I've been a part of some really beautiful withdrawal situations, you know, where, you know, mom and dad and like the kids are all cuddled around the bed and they're holding the baby and like, yeah it's a really beautiful situation. And I feel like COVID is taking, and I feel like you'll really be able to speak into this as a hospice nurse. Mm -hmm. COVID is taking the dignity out of dying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so unfortunately for me, I've literally been out of the field since this hit. It felt like a big slap in my face (laughs) because I was like, prepared and ready to do this and do it safely. And then I get hit with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of my perspective is from looking in hospice forums where hospice nurses discuss what is going on in their area. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a nationwide forum. 
And then I also have a few hospice nurses that I've been in contact with to just kind of discuss what's going on with them now. So what I am, what we're seeing right now is kind of an increase and a more rapid decline in our patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a faster rate of death happening, meaning, you know, the transition period, which can be two days to like, I think I've had up to nine days transitioning Mm -hmm. before they go active um, Mm -hmm. is shortening drastically Um, and patients are dying more quickly. And they're saying that this is probably mostly related to the isolation factor. They don't get to have their family there with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of the facilities in our area have closed um, and are being very, very precautious, putting a lot of precautions. Um, mm-hmm. stating that family cannot come and visit. Well, then you you have your Alzheimer's and dementia patients that don't understand that. Right. And so now they've had another loss. All of a sudden, that family member that they're used to seeing, whether they recognize you or not, mm-hmm. is gone. And you don't know why. And it doesn't matter if somebody tells you that, you know, there's a virus. There's a re- Those things yeah. do not stick in a person's head. So you have these patients that are literally withering away due to isolation and it's sad. And then the other aspect is you have nurses like me who, who our only purpose is to walk with somebody through this, the end of their life. And mm-hmm. we're being shut out as well. Um, so facilities are denying nurses coming in in some respects, um, they have, so typically if you were on hospice, um, Mm -hmm. at least for our, our company, you would be seen at least once a week by a nurse. Um, and then that would increase depending on what your needs are. So I Mm -hmm. had some patients that I saw twice a week or three times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you get more ill or start to decline more rapidly, your visits become increased. So maybe I saw you one time a week and then you started, you know, having more shortness of breath. So I saw you two times a week. Now you're showing that you are in bed and you're starting to transition. So I'm going to go to three times a week. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, now we're being, we're being, we're being denied that opportunity to help. Um, We're being told that we can only go in and see the patient every 14 days um, or only if they are transitioning or active. Um, they are, they are, um, not allowing the families to come into facilities. So that's causing a lot of strife. And then there are some facilities that, and there's some homes where they're like, you're a nurse out in the, the public. We're not letting you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, you know, I know some nurses that I work with are concerned, like, how do I do my charting? Yeah. How do I you know, how do I see how a patient is declining if they won't let me see them? Mm-hmm. I, so we're, we're coming up with a lot of issues. And I know Medicare, um, Medicare had very strict rules that you had to see a hospice patient at least every 15 days, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so when all this COVID stuff started, they started elongating that and saying that, okay, if it needs to be, um, you know, move it, move visits to every 14 days. 
um, and do calls in between. And they're trying to like fix this Medicare law so that hospices don't get slapped in the face with, mm-hmm. you know, all these, I'm, you know, basically being told you're not doing it correctly. <laughs> um, and so we're like in this really dangerous area where we're trying to do our best, being mm-hmm. shut out of places, doing phone visits. And what does a phone visit do if a, if a, if a visitor has no idea what edema is? or can't describe the lungs or how, or how the breathing is, or Mm -hmm. maybe they don't see the modeling that your trained eyes are meant to see. You know, it's, it's a very scary for me to sit, you know, and I'm just sitting in a bed for the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. And it it just, it hurts my heart so badly to know that all these patients are going, aren't going to get the care that they really, really need and deserve. And it's because of this a virus. Like, it's just yeah. mind-boggling. It's just um, cruel. It is. It's, it's like... It's, yeah. I, I don't know how many instances where I, I felt like I was family because mm-hmm. I was in there uh, for hours with family members, hugging them, holding them. Mm-hmm. explaining to them that their fears and their anxieties are valid, you know, providing that emotional support. Right. And and now it's like you have this, you can't provide any of that. No. Sometimes you just need to be there in silence and, and you can't even do that. So it puts a lot of, um, it puts a lot of worry on us mm-hmm. and, and sadness. It, we're not able to do our jobs and you know it, it's hard I didn't even think about that part another thing that I have noticed um, reaching out to other nurses is there have been a lot more falls and I think that that directly correlates with the idea of isolation yeah um, you know if, if you don't have somebody there helping you all the time mm-hmm. you're gonna fall yeah um so lots of falls, lots of quick transitions. Um, the other thing is we have a lot of, we have a lot of nurses that are scared mm-hmm. um, because we do have families that disregard the safety precautions that we have. Mm-hmm. I know my office has been very forefront on we want to protect our um, employees and our patients. So mm-hmm. they said, if we don't have the PPE, you don't do the visit, right? Right. Well, so we call ahead. We call ahead. That's our protocol. We call ahead and say, hey, is there anybody extra there at the house? Have you had any visitors recently? Um, anybody traveled recently? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so all those answers could be no. And a nurse walks in and there's five other people in there. Right. So it's like a complete disregard for that, that nurse's safety mm-hmm. and puts them in a difficult situation. And it's just hard to navigate any of this because you have people who aren't paying attention and then you have, and they're just risking people's lives. It begs the question, like what rules get thrown out when death is involved? Right. You know, you think about, especially as a hospice nurse, you know, clearly these, um, the, like your patients have varying, 
amount of time left left to live. Yeah. So obviously, you know, family members are going to want to try and get there and see them and be with them. But like what, what rules get thrown out, you know, especially no during this. No I hear idea. about people not being able to go in and, and say goodbye to their loved ones or nurses taking an extra minute and God bless the nurses that are able to do this and right. hold up the phone so that, you know, a family member can at least call and, and say, I love you, yeah. you know, for the last time, you know, thank you to all the nurses that are, you know, t- like able to take the extra minute to do that for absolutely your patients. But absolutely. I'm worried just, that hospice is going to become inundated very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, right now the hospitals are busy. Mm-hmm. Our Flint hospitals are busy. And that's kind of the area that I really um, rotate around is like mm-hmm. the Flint area. Okay. So I am foreseeing a great amount of patients coming from the hospital as DNRs because they have comorbidities and they don't have mm-hmm. beds for them. Yeah. And they're going to come to us. And, you know, that's, that's what's scary is you have a lot of nurses and aides, you know, they're nervous because they don't think we have enough PPE or they're just nervous mm-hmm. because they have comorbidities themselves, um, you know, and they're hesitant to take COVID patients. And I can't, I can't put my nose up to any of them. You know what I mean? No. Um, they have valid fears, but it's also nerve wracking because I'm one of those nurses that says, do it. I have PPE, send me in there. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not scared to do what I need to do, but I need to be protected. You know, that's my one right. standpoint. If I have right. the PPE, I will do whatever you need me to do. Exactly. Um, but other you nurses wouldn't send, You wouldn't send a soldier right. into war with, with nothing. Exactly. You wouldn't send exactly. someone on the SWAT team in to- a Firefighter. Yeah, without protection. And it's like, this is- basic protection that our nurses need. And like, I don't blame them for being scared to go into work. I don't blame them for, you know, not just, I don't, I don't blame them for the fear because I I feel it too for them. And I wouldn't be able to go into a room. And if I didn't have like clown gloves, hat, mask, like shoe coverings, you know, I, it's a nightmare. And it's not a nightmare that we're going to wake up from anytime soon. Um, it's only going to get worse. And we're starting to see more facilities become hotspots. Um, yeah. And these are assisted living facilities. And let me just state this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say nurses are the shit. And if you don't have a facility run by a nurse, whatever. But many of these assisted living facilities don't have nurses on staff or as management they have really yes they have people who do not have medical degrees as the directors of care um so so you start to understand why protection isn't number one Mm -hmm. you don't have a medical professional who understands the the microbiology and the transmission, mm-hmm. then you're, you're not going to get past this. No. I've, I've heard of assisted living um, 
that literally have been given no no updates or policies. Like wow. here, this patient this patient came from the hospital. They're COVID positive, um, discharged. Just quarantine them. What does that mean to the assisted living, though? Oh Do they understand gosh. what the quarantine means? Probably not. No, these you know, are so, still group homes, right? And it's terrifying. I because I because everybody's like. And I've been screaming too about hospitals. I am because that's our front line and damn it, mm-hmm. they need to be protected. And it's asinine that they aren't. Mm-hmm. But I'm also equally concerned about the community and the public right. health spectrum because right. that is about to crumble as well. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Thinking about all the the home health nurses that yeah. are going and taking care of, you know, yeah. old traked NICU babies. Exactly. Exactly. And when do you think they're going to get their PPE? Oh, they would have definitely had to provide it for themselves. Right. If there's any home health care or home health nurses, please let me know if that's not the case or if you want to come on and talk, let's talk. Most most of them that I have been in contact with Mm -hmm. tell me they're getting one surgical mask to wear for the week. That is not protection. That is not protection. I've been told. And especially not for someone so vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, we're going into, and, and, you know, I use that N95 for both mechanisms. It saves me from them, you from mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not wearing it, I, I'm not, it it's like walk, walking in with tissue paper. We know yeah. that, we know that if a patient is in their room and it's a shut room and there aren't windows open, that stuff just lingers. Mm-hmm. It just lingers. It becomes a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have noticed some home health nurses are t- or hospice nurses are saying, you know, I told them I brought my own mask and they tell me that that's not the policy. Um, or they've gotten handmade masks sent to them, mm-hmm. which God bless everybody who is sewing masks. Oh, I just yes. have to say, I appreciate the people who have put in the work because mm-hmm. although it is not what is needed directly in a hospital, it is helping significantly. Yes. And um I just want to say thank you. But you know these these handmade masks, my friend got some handmade masks and they told me you can't wear those. Her face is breaking out from wearing her soiled surgical mask. Mm-hmm. I told her I said, "Babe, just wear that shit anyways. Just wear yeah. it. Who's following you in the car? Who's following yeah. you to your patients? I am done following no. the rules for people who don't care about my safety." And yeah. you should be too. So if you're in home health and they're telling you you can't wear the mask that you want to wear, wear that shit anyways. Who's exactly. Please do. Please do. Protect yourself because you are you matter. You matter. And if we don't have home health and hospice nurses, what the hell are we going to do? No, nothing. <laughs> For real. It's, it's the age-old thing. Like We have to protect ourselves in order to better be able to care for our patients. Yes. We have to take care of ourselves to better be able to take care of our patients. That's right. We can't pour from an empty cup or a cup that's filled with viral load. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know. We can't pour from the COVID cup. (laughs) Yes. No COVID cup pouring, please. No. Yeah. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, This has been a really special conversation. Do you have anything else that you would like to speak into? Well, um, you know, I, I just want to say that as an individual person, 
anybody can make a big change and make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I've found in the last three weeks that I might be in isolation, but my voice is still as loud as everybody else's. Yes, so it is. I want people to understand that no matter what your circumstances, you can still make change, you can still make a difference, and you can still stand tall for somebody who might need it. So don't get discouraged. Um, I have been there. I've been dealing with anxiety and depression on and off the last three weeks because mm -hmm. I am a purpose-driven person. And if I'm stuck in my home, what purpose am I? <laughs> am I? I feel you. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I did. I am finding great solace in the in the opportunity to help other people um, get the PPE they need, or find the resources they need, or be able to um, just talk to me without mm -hmm. having some lashback. You know, because right. um, right. a lot of nurses are feeling that from the community. Um, mm -hmm. So I just want to say that you can make a difference. Um, don't think that your situation in isolation means that you're, you're worthless. You can really do change. I was just able to get 30 um, N95, like kind of like a 3M N95 uh, respirator, the half mask. Oh yeah. I was able to order 30 of those for a local ER. That's so, amazing. Like, yeah. So that was my one win that I latched onto mm -hmm. when I was dealing with all this bullshit about me having to be in isolation still. <laughs> it's like, yes. you got to latch onto something that makes you feel like you're doing something good. So yes, yeah. you are so girl. And that's just what I wanted to share with y'all. Just know that as an individual, you can still do a whole lot of good, even mm -hmm. if you're stuck in your room. So <laughs> Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for everything that you have been doing. Um, tell us really quick where, um, like what platforms people can find you on if they don't already yeah. know. So I'm on Instagram at nurse.tami, Nurse Tammy. And my Facebook is Tammy RNBSN. Um, and I do have a website, nursetammy.net. have not updated that recently, but um, it's there. So you guys can catch me on those channels and um, I'm constantly posting <laughs> for PPE and healthcare rights. So come on over and join the conversation. Awesome. Tammy, thank you so much. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your unwavering endurance in this fight. Um, I'm very grateful for you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being able to uh, speak to a new audience today. And, yes. you know, we're all in this together. So 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. I hope you get to feeling better. Thank you. All right, guys. Very grateful to Nurse Tammy for taking the time to speak with me today. And very grateful to her for being so vocal on social media about the lack of PPE and problems facing people getting testing. I encourage you all to follow along with Tammy on Instagram at nurse.tami and keep using your voices to show the world what you are facing on the front lines. Show them your marks and your broken down masks. You deserve protection. And please continue to send me your nursey energy moments at the WOMED. We need to keep spreading some hope and light right now. 
Until next week, WOMED out.